Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Remnant Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Raglan, and I am honored, blessed, and privileged, not only that you are a part of this podcast, and that I hope that you have checked the check mark or whatever it is on your app to follow us, and also given us a five-star review and written out a review. Those things just take just a few minutes, uh, and you only got to do them one time. And they help us tremendously in getting the gospel out and helping other leaders in this moment. So let's get right into this, talking about what it means to be a sent leader. Uh, a sent leader, S-E-N-T, sent leader. Not a scent that you smell, <laughs> but a scent that you've been sent. We understand that we have all been told to go. All right, that's a you know for leaders and of course ministers or a lot of ministers listen to this podcast, but you know leaders in general that are if you're remnant believer, whether you are here because you are just a leader on your job, leader in your in your family, leader in your community, doesn't matter. You're a leader, and you understand that you've been sent by God into this world. The Word of God tells us that you are salt in this earth. You are the salt, the flavor. Flavor. I always try to do that. I don't know why I can't say the flavor without saying flavor, but I do. Uh, <laughs> you are the flavor of this world. You, you are. We're supposed to be the flavor uh, and not the world, uh, which we've got it backwards. Get to that in a minute. Uh, but then we're also the light of the world. We understand that too, because there's a lot of darkness going on right now. Um, and we also understand that the Great Commission is not a gr the Great Suggestion. Great Commission, if you don't know what that is, is Matthew chapter 28, one of the last things that Jesus said to the, to the church, um, not just to the disciples, but to all believers. And the command was to go into all the world, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe Whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I will be with you even to the ends of the earth. That's the great commission. And by the way, commission means command, the great command. It's not a suggestion. You know, you don't get the option to check out of the great commission as a believer. It is who you are. It is foundational to who you are. Then, of course, there's the other great commission that nobody ever really likes to talk about other than, than those that are spirit-filled, and that's Mark chapter 16. Uh, it's the last verses of Mark, just like Matthew 28 is the last verses of Matthew. And Mark chapter 16 gives us another command uh, in, about going into all the world. But then it goes on to say, uh, lay hand, you shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. In my name you will cast out devils. If you drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. And you know, it goes on to say several other things. I'm not, I don't have that scripture in front of me. I'm just quoting it from it. From 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 my heart, so I may have left left out a couple words there. But the reality is this: we have a mandate to make disciples, to baptize people, to tell them about Jesus, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, cast out devils, freely you receive, freely give. So we know that that's the go. Okay, we know that we have a God that's the God of the go. He's always telling us to go. So when you hear me say that, you know. Um, Understanding what it means to be a sent leader or a leader that is sent, a part of the sent, then we know emphatically that that is the go. But it's more than that. 
Uh, it is, and I want to, I want to show you a, a story in scripture that most of you know, you may not know all the details of it, but you, if as soon as I start talking about this story in the Bible, you will identify with it immediately. You'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, it says in John chapter nine, and you can just listen to me. I promise you, I'm not going to misquote it. I'm, I'm looking at the scripture right now. So I'm going to quote it, what the word of God says, New King James Version. John chapter 9, verse 1 says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man, a man, excuse me, who was blind from birth. Birth, okay? He's blind from birth. He's never seen. Doesn't know what it is like to see. He's never seen. And his disciples asked him, notice it's the religious people that immediately did this. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, meaning teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, we live in a world that is always blaming someone else. They're always believing that it's someone else other than the one it really is. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Remember that. We wrestle against demonic spirits and Satan himself. And he is running wild right now, y'all, in case y'all hadn't noticed. Now, so... Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Verse 3, John chapter 9. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Okay? That the works of God should be revealed in him. So, now watch this about Jesus. I want to tell you something about Jesus, our king, our king of kings, and our lord of lords, that when we call ourselves remnant, remnant leadership podcast, we are a remnant with him. We are not just a remnant that we are a small group of people left in the midst of people. We're just not a small group of people. We're a small group of Holy Ghost on fire, determined, purposeful believers in Jesus Christ. We take ownership of the moment that we're in. We understand that God trusted us in this moment. We understand that he could have trusted Anyone, but Billy Graham is gone. Oil Roberts is gone. Uh, Reinhard Bonnke is gone. You know, just fill in the blanks. I mean, then you go all the way back to the the Great Awakenings and all these. You just name all the preachers that that led all of them. You could you could be naming preachers in the entire podcast, telling history. And there are podcasts out there that does nothing but talk about church history. And I think they're great. They're wonderful. I love listening to them. But I'm not talking about the history. I'm not talking about them. I'm not even talking about Peter. I'm not even talking about Paul. I'm not even talking about John or James or even Mary, the mother of Jesus. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about the remnant. We are the ones that are alive today. Not all those others. Those are all with the Lord. They're they're with the Lord. We will be with the Lord one day. We're not with the Lord yet. We are here. And now watch, knowing that and understanding that, then you need to listen to what he says. It's so powerful. God began to show me some things a while back. I really believe this was God. You know, there's a passage in Daniel where Daniel is writing, um, you know, about end times events. He's writing about the Antichrist, the tribulation period, the, the kingdoms that the Antichrist will come out of, and just all kinds of things that are very dark and very um, scary kind of stuff, you know, if you didn't know any better. And uh, while he's writing all this stuff, he's man, his fingers just smoking, just writing it like crazy on the scrolls. All of a sudden, God just speaks, and the angel says, stop, stop, stop writing. Seal up the book. The King James says book, but it's a scroll. Let's put the seal on the scroll 
seal it up until. And he makes it very clear that there's going to be a time that's going to be open. Seal up what you're writing until the days that men shall go to and fro opposing each other and knowledge shall increase. Well, I've said this many times before, but I'm going to say it again, that I've, I've preached all my life that, you know, who can deny that when it comes to knowledge, when it comes to inventions, when it comes to just being to do things like, or just, I mean, think about what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm sitting in a room by myself making a recording of a podcast that in a matter of minutes when I'm through with a little bit of editing, I'm uploading it to what is known as the internet and people all over the world will get a notification uh, this week to listen to this program. And and if the Lord tarries his return uh, years from now, if we're still here, uh, it's still out there. Millions of people will still have access to it. Look at that technology. And that that's just a one little thing of all the great things that are happening. So I've always, for years and years and years, I preached, you know, that, you know, who that's got to be us. It's got to be our generation because look at all the intelligence. Look at all the knowledge, the head knowledge that we have. Well, just recently, I began to feel God showing me a different interpretation of that scripture. Is that because I began to encounter it in my own life? And as I'm talking to other remnant leaders and other remnant pastors and ministers and leaders, I, I'm hearing that it's happening for them as well. And I call them, I call them downloads. I call them just, uh, just God's supernatural downloads that come out of nowhere that you're not really uh, planning on, not not even studying for, but then all of a sudden illumination happens. And and I make it very clear when I tell this that that I'm when I say knowledge shall increase, I believe it is biblical knowledge. Uh, and and I and I don't believe that, and I know not just that I don't believe, I'm emphatically state that I believe that it is never going to be. A uh, new revelation based on anyone adding or taking away from Scripture. Uh, no one has to make the Scripture, twist the Scripture, make it say what it needs to say for their situation. No, I'm talking about uh, you're just reading the Bible, just reading the Bible, and you read a word in a story that you've read hundreds of times before and never noticed that word was there, or a phrase and never knew that phrase was there. Uh and I've, I've had several of those things happen to me where I would see things of just, I mean, not just interpretation, but just just the text, just the text. And I would show it to people. Go, do, do you remember ever noticing that it says this? And I'm talking about, I'm talking people in their 30-year 30 ministry, 40-year ministry, just in total shock because they've got multiple sermons built around that passage only to never have seen that word, to never have seen those four or five words together there. It's it's almost like there were blinders put on us uh, by God until a generation that would be the final generation would be the only one that could really even comprehend what some of these things would mean because it would be fully applicable to that generation. And then, boom, the blinders come off and you see things. So people are getting just supernatural downloads, not downloads of new information, just downloads of illumination of Scripture. So this happened to me when I was reading this passage that I'm talking about. I must work the works of him who sent me. This is what he goes on. To, let me back up. He says, neither does this man or his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Number one, what are the works of God in a blind man? The works of God working within a blind man is not that he gets a new car. It's not that he you know, he's paid off his, his debt, got a 
college debt is waived by the government, all this, or somebody else. No, 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 no. The works of God to a blind man is that he's not blind anymore. Okay. So the works of God to a lame man is that he's not lame anymore. You get the drift to where I'm going here. So he says the works of God should be revealed in him. So what I'm about to do for him is the works of God. And then he makes it even more clear because the very next verse in verse four, he says, I must work the works of him who sent me, who sent me while it is day for the night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Now you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. What do you, what, what's the big deal? Okay. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Who sent me? Jesus was sent, okay? Even though he sent himself, basically, because he's God. But we understand that within the Godhead, it is a mystery, no doubt about it. It's a mystery that we'll never be able to comprehend because we're not God. But we do serve one God that manifests himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Well, the Son, we call him Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, but the Son was the Word of God, that was made flesh and dwelt among us. So his eternal part of the Trinity is the word of God. Okay, so when he became the only begotten son, that just simply means that the word became flesh and and was uh, placed into the womb of a virgin. Therefore, the word became the son of God. All right? Now listen. He makes it very clear. I'm walking around this earth. I'm in my ministry. I am the light of the world. As long as I'm in the world, I'm going to quote it, verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Well, it ain't going to be long after this passage because his ministry was three and a half years. That was it. That he's now in bodily form. Now, we know he's everywhere because he's omnipresent, okay? But he's omnipotent. But here's the reality. In a matter of just a couple of years, his feet were going to lift up off the earth and he was going to disappear into the clouds and he was going to go sit at the right hand of the Father and that's where he is right now and that's where he's been for over 2,000 years. Well, when he's going around teaching and he's going around equipping and doing miracles, he's spending time with his disciples. I've often said the greatest thing that Jesus ever did is easy to say. The number one greatest thing is easy to say. He that knew no sin became sin, died on the cross for our sins, came back from the dead to give us access to salvation. Okay, that's the greatest thing he ever did. But what's the second greatest thing he ever did? Okay, that's a pretty big one. The second greatest thing that he ever did was take his message and his vision and pour it in to his disciples because he realized that as I know who I am, I'm God, I'm God. But everything I did here on this earth, I was purposeful to do it as a man who happens to be God, not as God who happens to be man. So I was sent here on a purpose, for have a purpose. I was sent here because he said, I must work the ones of, of, of him who sent me. Then he says, I am the light of the world. As long as I'm in this world, I'm the light of the world. Now, if that sounds familiar, it's because Jesus, in another part, while he's going around ministering, he's just doing these incredible miracles, and his disciples go, oh, wow, that's incredible. Wow, I wish I wish somebody would send me. I mean, yeah, you're doing these kind of things because God the Father sent you. And Jesus could sense, could hear them saying these kind of things, and he says something profound. That's still hard for us to wrap our mind around. 
He says, hey, you think this is something? These works that you see me doing, these works that you see me doing, greater shall you do if I go to my Father. In other words, he says, not only are you going to do everything you see me doing, you're going to do it on a larger and a grander scale than I could ever do it by myself. But as long as I'm in this world, I'm the light of the world. Then he turns right around and a few passages later and tells them, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. If you turn the light off, who has a light and hides it under a bushel? You know, makes me think of that song. Hiding under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. What's this? No, it's more than, a, more than a cute little children's church song. You are the light of the world. He's counting on you. That's what he's trying to tell him. You don't get it now. And you're not the light of the world yet. You're not the salt of the earth yet. You're not my representative and my ambassador yet. But you will be. And guess what? He made time. to he, he, He'd done everything he needed to do after he was resurrected. For 40 days, he reminded him of all of reminded them of all of it. Ends up telling Peter, hey, if you love me, feed my sheep. He goes down that road with him. And then the last thing he says, the last thing he says, the last thing he does, watch this, is send everybody that can hear his voice from the mountain to Jerusalem. He says, go and tarry in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 1, until you shall receive the promise of the Father, and you shall be endued with power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So his last thing he did was not just the Great Commission that sends us with go, but he sent his disciples to a room, to a place. They ended up in an upper room, and it got down to 120. started off with a lot more than 120, but got down to about 120. And the Bible says, when they were in one mind and one accord, there appeared in them cloven Suddenly there appeared in them cloven tongues like as a fire and set upon each of them. And there was a there was a sound of a rushing wind that came in there. What happened? What happened? They were empowered with the power of God himself. Everything that he had done all those miracles through and 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 how he did them, he had now put it on top of the heads of 120 people. Oh, and by the way, one of them was his own mama because she's listed as being up there. She's literally named that she was in the room. But there's most of the people in that room, we have no idea what their names are. But you know what? They all got the same thing. They all got the same person. The Holy Ghost came upon them, and they all had the fire of God on them. Watch what happens. Here's, here's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Here's what happens when you're remnant. You can't stay where you're at because you're going to be sent. And just in a matter of hours, they went from the greatest Holy Ghost encounter man had ever had with God, and they were out on the streets trying to just see, find somebody that needs a miracle. And, of course, they go right out, and the Bible records Peter going to the gate called Beautiful and finding the lame man uh, begging for money, and he says, Silver and gold have I none, but what I got I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Wasn't that powerful? That's powerful. Now, what does that mean about this story here? So the Bible says that while everybody's expecting Jesus to look at the blind man and just say, be healed, he does the most unusual thing. 
He literally stoops down on the ground, picks up dirt, and begins to spit in the dirt. And as he's spitting in the dirt, he makes clay, mud clay, from the moisture of the spit of his mouth. Well, he takes that clay, and the Bible doesn't say he rubs it on the eyes of the blind man. It says he anoints him. He anoints him with mud made from his spit. And then he does something very, very interesting. He says, now I want you to go to and wash in the pool of Siloam. And, you know, all the word of God is written. None of it was written in English. I hate to I hate to be the bearer of bad news for some of y'all that that you know that think that you know that Paul, you know, spoke in King James. Uh, he didn't. <laughs> I used to know a guy one time said, "Well, if it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me." Well, you know, I'm sorry, he didn't speak English. So the Bible's written in Hebrew and Greek, and most of the time, if you want to understand what the Hebrew and Greek means, you need to go to your Strong's Concordance and and study it that way. But every once in a while, and this only happens a few times in Scripture, the Word of God interprets itself, and it makes sure that you know what that word means. And in this instance, when when he is when he sends them to the pool of Siloam, it's very important. It says, and he sends, go wash in the pool of Siloam, and in your Bible, without having to look it up, just in the manuscript, in parentheses, it says, which means sent, which means sent. So Siloam means sent. So I like to say it this way. He sent him to sent. He sent him to sent. Now, why is that interesting? It's interesting because Jesus had all the power he'd ever, he'd already done it. He already just spoke over blind people and they were healed. Why didn't he do it then? It was a teaching moment. It was a moment that I believe the final generation, the scales would fall from our eyes and we would see right there hidden in plain sight is Jesus teaching us about the power of the apostolic. The the apostolic, apostle is the word in the original Greek, apostolos, and it means to be sent. So apostolic simply means to be sent. It doesn't mean to be, you know, high authority, uh, only ones that have the gifts operating. No, it means you're sent. It means you have an agenda. It means that you have been sent by God. Well, he sends him to sent. And it is at the place of sent, S-E-N-T, Salom, that when he washes in the sent, S-E-N-T, the scales fall from his eyes and he can see. He had an encounter with the apostolic. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. The remnant is apostolic. Now, you may be listening to this, and you were with me up until this point because you don't believe in, in the fivefold ministry gifts. Oh, but let, let, me, let me say you probably believe in teacher and, and pastor, but you don't believe in – and maybe an evangelist, but you don't believe in prophet, you don't believe in apostle. So, But if you'll allow me, remnant leader, because that's why you're on this podcast, to allow yourself to think of the – and understand that apostolic means more than just the 12 apostles. Apostolic means sent. And there is an apostolic mantle on the remnant. And I truly believe that this podcast, when I say operating under a sent anointing or being a sent leader or whatever, fill in the blank, and you can just basically say it in many different versions, 
I'm meaning that you need to make sure that you are properly positioned in the apostolic. Because in this day and time, to be a remnant leader, you can't hear from dead, dried-up voices. You're going to have to have Holy Ghost, fire-baptized voices, apostolic voices speaking into your life. I'm going to tell you, all over the world, the devil is running rapid. Uh, I mean, he's not even hiding anymore. And and we're going to need people who have been sent. We're going to need people who have washed in the pool of Siloam. We're going to need leaders that are carrying out the works of God. So Jesus was telling him, look, I could, I could lay hands on you right now. I could speak at you right now. But I'm going to use you as an example. And one day people's going to, their eyes are going to be open and they're going to be illuminated to realize that this whole story about the mud, and there's a lot deeper stuff in it too that I'm going to do on, a, on another podcast uh, as well on my YouTube channel, which, by the way, you can always go to LarryRagland.tv and you can, listen, you can uh, see the Big Picture podcast and also the Big Picture YouTube channel. But I'm going to do a, a YouTube and Big Picture podcast show on a deeper word that's a part of this story that is incredible of what God did when he scooped up that dirt. But regardless, as we close this podcast, I want to remind you, God's not called you to be a sit-down leader. He's not called you to be a uh, complicit leader. He's not called you to be a, um, a leader that just follows the pack that just swims in the same direction that all the other religious leaders are swimming in. You have been called to swim against the flow. You have been called and you have been sent. You haven't just been called. You have been sent. And the Lord has put you in the pool of Siloam and is washed. And the scales are falling from your eyes. You are not woke. You are awake And you've been called for such a moment and such a time as this for the kingdom to be the hands, the feet, the voice, the mouth, the representative, the ambassador of God. You see, when a nation has an ambassador to another nation, they are sent there. But when they go sent from them, see, if I wanted to go to France and I went to France as an American, and I walked around the streets as an American, then I am an American tourist, and I can be mistreated. I can, I do not have any kind of special privileges. But me, same person, instead of going to France as a tourist, gets appointed as the ambassador to France by the United States of America, and I am sent there as the ambassador There's power that comes with that scent. There is a house waiting on me that's gated. There is security waiting on me. But more than anything, I, the word ambassador means I represent this country. When I walk the streets of Paris as the ambassador to France, then I walk the streets as America. If you hurt me, you've attacked America. If you invade my home, you've invaded America. Because I'm not just in France to, um, to be a tourist. I have been sent. And you have not just been called to go to church. You've not just been called to read your Bible and to pray. These are all things that believers do and believers have been commanded to do. But you as a remnant leader, it's much, much bigger than that. 
you have been sent. You are a sent leader. You have washed in the pool of Siloam and all the things that's been on you your whole life. It's caused you from seeing and caused you to be spiritually blind. The mud is being washed away in the pool of Siloam, in the pool of scent. Rise up, remnant leader. Get bold. Go. You have been sent. Thank you for joining me on the Remnant Leadership Podcast. Make sure you give us a five-star review. Share this podcast with someone. We'll see you next time.